Hey everyone, this is the Everyday Leader Podcast, where we hear from inspiring individuals building and leading teams across Africa. Today I speak with Rashika Patney, based in Tanzania. She was the youngest and first appointed Chief Strategy Officer at the largest payment service provider in Tanzania. She has experience in various sectors spanning from data analytics to academia and research. She began her work as a consultant with Salesforce Foundation's international partner, Vera Solutions, where she managed their new projects and implementation support projects for legacy clients. After that, she joined the African Leadership Group in developing and designing curriculum and being part of the founding team to expand their university campus and accelerator program in Rwanda and Kenya. She then moved to Tanzania, and while at Cellcom, she led the fintech partnership with MasterCard and managed the teams for products development and marketing execution as part of their East Africa launch strategy. She has also had experience in Nepal, the US, the UK, and China for different consulting projects in the space of health, technology, and education before now venturing into payments. Rashika is currently leading strategy and new projects execution at Romani as the Chief of Business Development and Service Innovation, which is a culmination of her last three positions. At Romani, she focuses on the execution of their products and services to new markets, identification of large-scale partnerships, as well as establishing a research and innovation focus for service innovation within the company. Rashika holds a double BA in economics and public health with additional core competencies in leadership training, executive and mid-manager coaching, and data visualization techniques for informed decision-making. Hi, Rashika. Welcome to the Everyday Leader podcast. Great to have you here. Really eager to dive into your experience, given that you work for a number of interesting companies across the U.S., East Africa, and India. So welcome. Hi, Chris. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I'd love to first hear uh, from you about uh, an example of a leadership origin story uh, that you have lived in your own professional career. So many people uh, can cite you know, a first time where they either took on a project management role or a people management role? I would say, you know, my first project management or first people management role began with my first job at Vera Solutions, where I was working in India. And um, Vera is a global partner of Salesforce Foundation. And um, I was actually part of the implementation and support team, which at that point was about three people. And um, I joined the, as the fourth person on the team as two people were transitioning out. It was the first time I'd managed a project after having graduated from college, where I was managing about five projects at one go for systems that were built maybe about two to four years ago and might not have had either proper documentation or continuous handover. So my first experience really with project managing by myself and with just one manager was started off at Vera Solutions and it was it was tricky because you know you're working on systems where either the the POC on the other side has no idea what the system was all they know is they've paid a lot of money for it and uh, you know there seems to be nobody to help so quite a bit of my first experience in implementation support <laughs> even started off with I couldn't really do my project management role aside from first, um, you know, reassuring the client that we do know what we're doing and we're going to take them, you know, down a smooth path to either 
complete change request or help them understand the system. And a lot of times, you know, I mean, by that point, I was 21. So I was dealing with quite a few, you know, 30 to 40 year old academics at some point as well, who, who had started using Salesforce. I was dealing with global leads, global CTOs. Um, so obviously, the expectation um, for systems are quite different. And then to be working with, you know, experts in an industry and then coming in very fresh for the first time was was quite an experience that helps you become more mature. I think trying to align and make sure you're reading up about that sector, um, even if you think you know Salesforce more than them, you know, and you're learning as well, you're training, but at the same time you're learning about a sector that might not be your own expertise, and yet you have to sound like you understand the sector just as much as they do. So that really was my initial uh, project management exposure. You know, aside from that, my very first people management role began with uh, my next job, which was with African Leadership University. I was part of the projects facilitation team. So the facilitators or the alternative term for professors in ALU. And um, I led a team of four very strong women. At that point, I perhaps was 23. And most of the women I was leading were already in their late 30s, had more experience than me. And so, you know, navigation around how to work with a team where you're not the boss and that's definitely not the persona idea to present, but you're working together to solve one common problem was was the next challenge for me, I would say. Yeah, so, so those formed really two two of my experiences and one really being thrown in the deep end on projects or systems I wouldn't know and and start from scratch. And then second, leading a team of women who uh, are definitely more experienced than me. And, and then, you know, suddenly they're being led by somebody who's 23 and, 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 you know, trying to figure out team dynamics. Yeah, that's fascinating. A lot of us sign up for jobs or enter sectors uh, thinking that, okay, I'm going to be involved with X type of work. So when you joined Vera Solutions, it was all about implementing Salesforce across different companies and emerging markets. But what you found was a big part of the role, probably more than you expected, was dealing with people. And how do you work with the people that are at the organizations that uh, you're partnering with? And a big part is of that role ended up being uh, partner engagement or client relationship management. And I'm wondering, during those first two experiences you shared with Vera and at uh, African Leadership University and managing that team of four, how did you go about uh, trying to be uh, intentional on your leadership uh, or management style? Was there certain things that you ended up doing naturally or were there mostly things that you were learning and and develop uh, in a more uh, intentional way? I would say, you know, for both of those roles, and and it's a really good question, because oftentimes, even right now in my day to day, I think about this quite a bit. But personality, I think, really matters in how you approach either a team or your work, right? So, you know, for me, I've always been told whenever I go into new situations that I have a very calming personality and in the way I speak or the way I listen. And I've tried to leverage that as my strength um, because I think sometimes what happens is when you enter a new room or a room of new people, you might feel that you have to you know, make your mark immediately and, and stand out. And I think a lot of times you forget that um, there, is, there is actually learning in just listening 
um, patiently before you contribute with your opinion. And I've always led with that um, in both my teamwork and my consulting work, where, you know, if, for example, just taking a look at Vera, um, a couple of our projects were often very sensitive. And, you know, if I don't start off listening to the client and get defensive, the tone of the call would change, right? And, uh, you know, we'd be dealing with either a lost project and lost revenue, or, you know, I wouldn't be placed in another project of a similar kind. So I think, you know, one of the things that um, I, I take with me always, and whenever I've, this is my fourth job, by the way, I'm, I'm at Romani right now. And I think always what I've taken with me is going with a listening mindset, um, understand what team dynamics you're joining, right? So for example, you might have um, people who are very detail-oriented. You might have somebody who just calls and does their job and doesn't care about reporting back. Or you might have somebody who is, um, you know, too scared to contribute. And I think listening and observing, that's very important. I I would say I also learned that from um, classroom management at ALU because oftentimes we would, we, would, we would use this terminology called step up, step down. And what we'll do there is basically if you see that you're in a room full of people and somebody's not speaking, um, it's almost impossible that no one has an opinion or a thought to share. So how do you call that out? Um, having, being an introvert myself, I would say that I am quite mindful of that space around me. So even in my leadership style, I'll never, I'll never dictate, um, and I'll never tell you this is the direction we're moving in. Let's go and and not listen to you. I think I think I'm more of a person who will take in all the ideas, um, allow you to share, and then very much in public or in that group setting pick and support the idea that I believe in more for the execution um, and then take that forward as opposed to the standard leadership practice where I think the idea is that you have to move with urgency and speed, right? And and so if you have to move with urgency and speed, really forget about what everyone else is thinking. You take the choice because you've evaluated everything perfectly. Um, so yeah, that's what I would say, you know, helps me. I, I think it's much of a personal self-awareness and personality reflection that I like to take forward in, in everything I do. Well, well, it certainly sounds like you are very self-aware and I know that is a process and uh, you have been able to essentially uh, blend a, a wide range of different types of experiences, whether that's in the university classroom setting as a uh, leadership facilitator or in, in an actual company uh, setting, working with different partners and knowing when to uh, step up or step down, which I think is a great uh, way to uh, describe uh, the idea that you're that you were mentioning there. Uh, I'm curious. You mentioned that you uh, self-identify as an introvert. I do as well. Um, how has that, in other ways, showed up in um, your kind of career growth as a leader and as a manager, and, and how you've gone about selecting? and uh, applying to different roles uh, throughout your career so far? Sure. Um, again, a really great question. I think one of the things when, when, when you identify as an introvert, 
um, in particular, and then and then your role is strategy and speaking and partnerships. Um, I would say the very first time I exposed myself to to a public panel with um, was actually in Rwanda with Cellcom and Mastercard, where I had to speak about the Mastercard partnership and what we'd learned um, as their fintech player or fintech player globally as well and within Sub-Saharan Africa. And you know, one of the things that uh, is really important as you grow in your position from mid-management to um, C-suite is you need to be able to speak about your organization publicly um, where you're revealing, you know, certain things that show the future direction of the company, but there are certain things that you cannot reveal publicly yet, right? And I think learning um, what to say and um, how to frame it was quite challenging initially because you find that um, in as much as, you know, from the introverted side, I guess, you want to keep things to yourself because, you you feel like engaging outside doesn't matter your work will show it um i think that that networking element is one where somebody should push through and should be able to 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 speak more about their role about the way they're thinking strategically so i would say that was quite um opposite for me um and you know i tried to always push myself out of the comfort zone and now I'm very, you know, open to just networking, speaking in panels, um, you know, being on a podcast, I guess, today as well. Um, so so a lot of that comes with um, practice. And I think, you know, you're learning at every opportunity. But uh, just being an introvert doesn't mean you can't get into strategy or networking type of roles. Um, I learned that and I learned how to move away from just being in a back-end role to a front-facing public role. Um, but there's quite a bit of growth and quite a bit of learning and practice that I had to do to get to that level. That's definitely a lot of practice and putting yourself out there. So it's quite impressive how you've identified ways to uh, be you know, more out front and center in the roles because there's you know, at the end of the day, no um, way to avoid that uh, if you're going to grow your impact and grow your career. And so I'd love to hear more about your time at Cellcom Tanzania. Uh, this seems to be more of like a homecoming for you, returning to Tanzania and uh, playing a role at a growing company, uh, starting off as the head of business development and moving into the chief strategy officer role, spending uh, over three years there. Uh, tell us more about that uh, experience. I, when I graduated from, from Yale, where I got my degree in economics and public health, I knew at that point that in my career, I, I had I'd actually designed or kind of planned for my career in such a way that I wanted to expose myself to a couple of countries before heading back home. Um, I think definitely college made it clear for me that I, I wanted to be in Tanzania and contribute here, um, but I wanted to experience India and Rwanda very specifically before I came back home. And um, somehow the jobs I applied to and the experience I got ended up um, in those countries as well. And it was very much to do with um, soft skills. I really wanted to... Um, engage you know from from india it was really about engaging in a in a very cutthroat environment and fast-paced um culture so i was in bombay in india and so the city life and um 
is is very opposite of what Tanzania or Dar es Salaam is. Um, and I wanted the wanted that exposure um, in in India. My parents are originally from India, so there's also I guess um, a part of me that wanted to to live there for a few years and and really maybe figure out my my roots. Rwanda was a lot of it was uh, purely in terms of what I had read about um, regulation wise and government policy wise. Um, the supportive environment would have meant that I would have been exposed to a business that would have really grown um, with full support. And then, you know, having learned from that model, I guess, learning those work ethics, then coming back to Tanzania was, was a key goal for me. So when I came back to Cellcom, um, Cellcom for Context is a payment service provider and the largest payment service provider in Tanzania. And it was at a time when they had just signed a seven-year um, deal with MasterCard to help expand some of their fintech products. Um, a lot of that partnership was very fruitful, I think, in terms of expansion. So when I joined, the team was barely two people. And by the time I left, I'd already hired about 42 people um, to work under me. And I was by then from just BD, managing um, sales, marketing, customer care, and uh, MasterCard partnership, as well as any new product launch to other countries. So that became my role in um, Cellcom. And so when I came back home, um, again, I think at that position or the pivot from head of BD to um, CSO was purely because of the role I had already played in the organization. I was quite pivotal in thinking through um, departmental change and cross-departmental collaboration. A lot of it came from my learnings from ALU because ALU's work culture and setup was um, very much like Silicon Valley tech company setup. And so cross collaboration, you know, stand ups, retrospectives, a lot of that became my my go to strategy to build out a team. So that was my role in um, in Cellcom. And then I completed three years there very recently before joining Ramani. You mentioned some of the kind of Silicon Valley type startup cadence in terms of the check-ins, the stand-up meetings, the retrospective meetings. How did you uh, embrace that as a leader? Uh, because you know, lots of different organizations have different twists on that and different leaders use those types of structures in, in, to different effects. Um, so how did you kind of dive into that and um, what were some kind of uh, high points and low points in that journey? Because you know, hiring 40 people uh, under you for the first time and, and kind of operating in a very agile environment can uh, be exciting, but also can be stressful. My very first exposure to to um, this leadership style came from Vera. I actually remember very well our first retreat where we were camping in Vermont. And uh, one of the first things we did was we did um, a leadership compass and we had to learn uh, about the leadership styles of everybody on the team before we were moved to India, Boston and, and um, Cape Town, so in India, Bombay. Um, and it was the first time that I got exposed to that kind of thinking and we had a lot of the processes set. So um, the check-ins, the Slack, you know, reporting methodology, all of that was, was part of our process in Vera. 
And when I joined ALU, we also used Slack. We also had the check-ins. We had retrospectives. And when I joined ALU, I also joined at the time with a major retreat for the company. So we were, again, trying to figure out each other's working styles. We did quite a bit of rituals and routines exercises. And at ALU, that was very important in terms of culture building. Um, actually, before we launched to any country or any new product, we would spend about three months just um, getting to know the team and, and learning. So, you know, by the time I got to Cellcom, which, you know, traditionally is a family business, and honestly, there were none of these practices here. Uh, teams were very much siloed, and the way of working, it's, there was flat structure in the sense that decision-making was easy, but there was an evident gap in teams talking to each other before designing something. And obviously, with the MasterCard project, that meant that we had to become more agile, we had to get perspectives, diverse perspectives of different skill sets within the team early on. So, for example, I can't ignore my CFO's input in a very major product launch and only remember five months down the line when there is a fire to burn out, right? And so a lot of the things or these practices, I think, by default, um, were part of the organization. So by the time I got to Cellcom or even Romani, I would say um, a lot of times you assume that, of course, Slack is the way to go, you know, and we never had Slack at Cellcom. Um, or, of course, uh, Monday stand-up and spending, you know, one hour just catching up with your team is the way to do it. But then when you join Salcom and Romani, and, you know, even currently I'm, I'm facing that where somebody might really believe that wasting two, three hours stuck in a room uh, means that I execute less. <laughs> and so, so, you know, I think there's quite a bit of unlearning to, to be done there as well. But what we try to do is... Um, I think, as I mentioned earlier, I listen first before implementing any of the practices, but there are some that I really believe in. And, and a really big one for me is aligning before the start of any project and before the week, and then everyone does their thing, but reports back consistently. And I think that's one I've taken. The rest, you know, I really go with the flow. If Slack or Notion is the tool your organization uses, you should continue with it. But... Um, really, there are some best practices that, you know, require people engagement. Um, you should not rethink those. I think those should continue. You just have to find that time with your team, maybe do a leadership compass as well, um, you know, and, and kind of learn what different ways people tend to communicate. Because at the end, if communication goes wrong, it doesn't matter how nice your product is or how big your company is you just won't be able to move forward um, with with your plans from the next day to the next week to even the next quarter. So true. So I'd love to have you share more about your current company at Romani. So I, I understand that they are a Y Combinator backed uh, fintech startup, uh, but also uh, based in Dar es Salaam. So tell us more about uh, what the company is all about, what you guys are trying to do and your role uh, at the company. So Romani, this is the first time I'm publicly speaking about Romani. Um, Romani is, as you correctly mentioned, a Y Combinator-backed startup. We're in uh, value chain digitization. So it's actually a culmination of all of my last jobs. So what we've done is within the FMCG space, we began in 2019 
um, whereby we started designing a platform for organizations, brands, distributors, and retailers to track their orders and receipt management at a sales level. Um, Romani itself was... Um, Actually, the founder himself was involved in the day-to-day -day and kind of, you know, sold products himself and managed logistics out of which he built out his CRM. Um, as an effect of that, what we learned in the market in FMCG in Tanzania is that there is um, space to grow in lending and B2B lending. And so what we're currently working on is um, how to combine when we talk about value chain digitization or how to build a digital infrastructure, how do we combine both digitizing and financing in order to help businesses grow, right? So the idea is that um, there is a value chain that exists already and probably for over 30 to 40 years, but for some reason they're either still on pen and paper and haven't digitized, we're helping accelerate that. And um, the entire value chain is doing quite a bit of informal lending and um, may or may not be able to achieve growth with legacy banking models. And so how do we come in and disrupt that um, while sitting in, in um, Tanzania, where, you know, obviously majority of these larger brands, their company HQs might be outside of Tanzania. So that's, uh, in brief, what Romani does. It's, it's just value chain um, digitizing. We're, we're trying to capture the infrastructure um, in terms of both digital and finance um, as, as the two focus points for us. My role itself is um, Chief of Business Development and Service Innovation. So the role I'd be playing is more futuristic. I'm helping the CEO directly think about the future products um, you know, as we're having conversations with investors and um, thinking about the future of Romani, we're really careful about how we want to localize it and not forget that there's a context in Tanzania that we're trying to solve for. Um, so in much as something would have worked in the U.S. or would have worked in the U.K. or based on the experience globally from the investors, um, we have to do quite a bit of, you know, cultural context in Tanzania and East Africa, and then build around that. So that's my main role. Um, it's just been a month. So it's really about figuring out, you know, that strategy. And um, that's what I've mainly been working on. And so when you work in a leadership role that is not the CEO or founder, you have to essentially, you know, pick a company and then pick uh, a leader that you want to uh, work for, and you've worked for a number of really interesting uh, leaders uh, across different companies like uh, Vera and, and African Leadership University and Cellcom. How did you go about uh, essentially screening or uh, selecting Romani as the next place that you want to spend time in building something, especially you know, with, with Tanzania in mind? I'm sure that was a factor, but how do you um, go about that process of of selecting your next opportunity when it comes to not just the company, but also uh, the leaders that you'll be behind uh, in a sense. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think that question's very important once you've reached a certain point in your career mid-management as well, because at this point, aside from the mission and vision of the organization, really the leadership choice matters. 
um, how their personalities are, how they think about execution, how they think about urgency, how they treat their team, all of that really matters, right? And, you know, before, I, I would say before ALU, I mean, Fred, Fred himself as a founder is a very powerful and charming uh, personality. And so he drove a lot of how the organization moved and thought about solving a problem in the education sector, right? And um, what I really learned from uh, the directors and the chief uh, or C-suite team under Fred was they always knew how to do their own due diligence and um, either oppose or complement what Fred was doing. Um, I think one thing that I've learned is supplementing skills or weaknesses of one founder and building the C-suite around weaknesses uh, as opposed to just purely strengths or the product is, uh, is an important factor to analyze. So what, um, by that point, you know, I was, I was just a, a manager in ALU. So I was really learning from my directors back in the day. Um, by the time I'd moved to Cellcom, in fact, when I, when I got promoted to chief of staff, I reconnected back with my senior management at ALU and uh, we were reconnecting about, you know, maybe I was a tough employee, you know, and, and always debating and, and, and saying no to certain decisions. And then now being in that position and having a team and managing expectations, you know, managing different personalities, we, we bonded over that. And th there are some of my leaders from ALU who, you know, I, I can see why there were certain decisions they wouldn't agree with because they had really had to think about revenue or cost perspective that I wouldn't be privy to and wouldn't have to know maybe as a manager. But, you know, sitting as a manager, you might feel like your voice isn't being heard, you know. And, and so that balance I really learned at ALU. So by the time I got to both Cellcom and Romani, I would say um, it was something I was looking for. Cellcom, though, is a family business, so it was, by the time I joined, it was really being run by the one founder, um, and he's, he's quite a genius in the field, actually, and um, works at his own pace, which is really fast, and so everyone around him has to kind of catch up. So Cellcom, I had to build that team and kind of learn and get them up to speed with him, quite, quite opposite. Um, but I learned, I took my takeaways from ALU and, and kind of brought them um, to Cellcom. Ramani itself, honestly, I had a lot of feedback from uh, people saying that at this point in my career, I should really move to a global or regional role and that I shouldn't be joining a startup. Um, but honestly, all of my experiences, despite it being a large organization, the department itself was a startup in a... Uh, in a, in a, in a, in its own space, right? So I've never not been in a startup and agile environment. And so when I was picking Romani, I um, interviewed with all of the founders. I wanted to know that I got along with them, our personalities matched, um, that they were deep thinkers and deep problem solvers as opposed to just wanting to make revenue. Um, I think my four this is my fourth job right and i think at this point really hearing from a founder if they care um about the long-term impact and how they think about it became important to me 
So if um, it was purely driven by profits, you can tell from interviews, um, but you can tell when somebody cares beyond making money and, and wants to create an impact in society. And, and I saw that in Romani's founders, um, who are also very young, by the way, all of them are under 30 um, and working in previous jobs and then came back to Tanzania to, to kind of disrupt this market. Um, so yeah, that's that's what I did. Again, I think it's still very hard to say an interview is still an interview. It's it's really once you start your day one and your first month um, shows you the reality, and 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 that's really when you discover the true personality. So so that's still ongoing for me. <laughs> I think I'm trying to figure out which founder uh, I get along with more. You know how to work on a certain product and get buy-in from one founder before another so I can get my voice or opinion forward. Um, so I think that's really critical, but there's only so much you can do in terms of you know due diligence for, for the right founder. Um, but what I look for personally, I just look for grit and resilience. I think what I really want to see is that in times of trouble or in times of urgency, um, how have you managed as well? And as much as they would ask me that question, I always ask that question back to them. So true, and it's it's coming out very clear. You you have been very thoughtful about this this last move you made, and um, very exciting to think about uh, how you can work with these founders to create something really special that is uh, very catered to the the Tanzanian market needs. And just as we start to wrap up, I'd be curious to get your perspective on what the future of Tanzania looks like uh, as it pertains to startups and the future of work. You've worked across so many different settings, types of companies, and you, like you said, you know, don't want to necessarily pursue a, a global or regional role right now, but feel that your impact can be um, pursued and maximized building something uh, that's very Tanzania specific. So uh, what are some trends uh, and peaks around the corner when it comes to uh, Tanzania uh, as a market and as a place to work. Right now, I think Tanzania is in a in a very exciting um, time. I think the investment climate, as well as just the business climate, is much more open. I think that we were seeing a lot of collaboration and push from the government, even to the private sector, to invest in sectors that um, that will help the country grow. Um, so we're, I think, I think now moving forward, there's a lot more focus on foreign policy, and um, thinking about bilateral um, relationships, um, how Tanzania sees itself globally, regionally, and um, we we see it quite a bit in the private sector. Actually, there's quite a bit of openness in sharing our perspectives, very similar to what I saw in Rwanda, I would say. Um, in the sense that businesses or corporates are allowed to contribute and, and suggest the kind of national way forward. And, um, you know, I mean, Ramani, yes, in as much as we're starting off in Tanzania, the goal, again, you know, being YC-backed is we have to think sub-Saharan Africa from now. Um, so I'm already starting to think about actually our cross-border work um, which means indirectly I do get to play a regional or global role very soon. Um, but I would say, yeah, Tanzania is, is coming up. I think partnerships is um, quite open. I think that energy to collaborate is, is there. Um, younger companies that 
you know, typically would be overshadowed by larger corporates are now up and coming. There's a lot of disruption um, compared to when I was in my in Kenya and Rwanda. I would say there's much more of a tech space. And I, I had seen it lacking in my initial time in Tanzania. But I would say by now, three years later, I think, you know, that's growing and, and the future of work, even here, it's, you know, we're really focusing on quite a bit of remote management, um, thinking about how do you build out a team that's distributed. Um, actually, in Romani, her, our engineering team is distributed. So really thinking about product design where we're embedded with our customer success on the ground, but our developers are global um, is is where the future of work kind of is heading, right? And so we're also equally trying to solve that problem, um, using and debating which tools to use, you know, how to communicate again, um, so yeah, I think I think Tanzania is a space to be at right now, where um, the port that opens up quite a bit of import and exporting as well in um, for the region. We're both in EAC and SADC, so it's honestly I, I think one of the best countries to even start off a business and kind of learn and and perfect your business model. Amazing! It does indeed sound uh, exciting. I've only been uh, a few times more for short work trips and holiday. Fingers crossed that things continue to to move forward. And wishing you uh, and the team the best of luck. Uh, I look forward to following you on your continued uh, leadership journey, and really appreciate your reflections and and sharing uh, your experience with us today. Perfect. Thank you so much, Chris, for having me. I think in as much as it was um, an experience for you, it was a self-awareness experience for me too and, and helped me reflect quite a bit as well. So happy to hear that. Thanks again, Rashika.